Hello and welcome to another episode of Living Life with Passion and Purpose. Today our guest is Dr. Betty Asnake and she is an anesthesiologist in California. She recently completed a Global Health and Equity Fellowship at UCSF. She is the founder of Mulu Mentor, a mentorship program that connects underrepresented minority pre-medical students to physicians. She is phenomenal. All right, welcome Dr. Asnaka. I am so excited to have you on here today and you are just so amazing and so inspirational. I wanted to start by asking you to just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? How was it to transition in America? Sure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I've been following you for some time. So you're definitely one of my inspiration, you know, on social media and in real life. So I'm oh, excited you're so to be kind. here today. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, my story is uh, somewhat similar to a lot of uh, like immigrant stories. I'm from Ethiopia. I was born and raised in Ethiopia. Um, I lived in the capital city until I was um, 16 years old. And then at 16, my entire family decided to move to America for the American dream, uh, like a lot of people in the world. And we ended up in um, Los Angeles. Oh, wow. I had a family member, our uncle was in Los Angeles. So we went there and, you know, it was a very rough um, like transition, like you can imagine, you know, Ethiopia is one of the poorest countries in the world and going to that setting to, uh, to America where everything's kind of available, that's what we're, at least we think that in our minds, you know, yeah. um, and then transitioning in the middle of high school was not easy. Um, I, I went to a, a French school in Ethiopia, mm -hmm. a private French school in Los Angeles. I ended up going to public uh, English school, like American school. Oh, wow. And so uh, I had to like, you know, my English was not good because I, I speak French and that's, that was my second language. My first language is Amharic, uh, which is a, my native Ethiopian language. But we went to a French school, me and my siblings. So um, it wasn't easy to transition to like a system where everything is in English. So that was one big adjustment. Um, and then just, you know, adjusting to life, you know, as an immigrant, it's extremely hard to just adjust in general. You know, you, you're applying for your, uh, like, you know, papers, um, you're trying to find a job. My parents were trying to find a job. My dad was really sick at that time. So he was trying to get healthcare and trying to get treated. We're trying to finish high school, like somehow finish high school. Wow. It's just very chaotic, so as you can imagine. Very dynamic is what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> but you made it and look at you now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, now I'm here and it's, I think it's the grace of God. But um, so that was kind of the transition. Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, in high school, I did well. You know, I felt like my previous schooling really sent me um, to succeed in high school. So I did really well in high school. and. I was able to go to uh, UCLA for undergrad. At which point there, I majored in French. I was a French major, it was kind of an untraditional major because um, I loved the French culture. I grew up in that and I wanted to do like uh, my uh, like upper division classes in French literature oh, wow. and things like that. So that was awesome. I had that a great time. <laughs> huh? That is very different. <laughs> yeah, it's very different, but it was the best decision. I wow. had 
a blast. I loved every single of my classes. Um, I went to Paris one of the summers for a travel study program, yeah. which I've never been to Paris, even though most of my life I learned French and I learned about yeah. France and French history. So when I went, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I went home. <laughs> <laughs> even though it wasn't home, you know, it was nice to just kind of go and know the language already, know the history. Wow. Um, it was a great time. I was very happy majoring in uh, in French. But then I, I still took the pre-med courses. Yeah. I've always wanted to become a physician. That's always been a dream of mine since I was probably like 10 or 11. Oh, wow. Um, and so I, I, I took the classes and then I finished. After I finished, I took a gap year to kind of work and do other things. And then I applied for my master's program in Virginia and ended up doing a master's in pharmacology and toxicology. Oh, wow. oh my yeah, gosh. Which is very different, um, but I also equally loved that. I wow. loved it. I really enjoyed physiology and anatomy and pharmacology. I it was it came pretty natural to me, and yeah. it wasn't annoying to study it. You know, yeah. it was like I was actually like, oh, this is interesting and cool. You know, and so um, I did that, and then, then you did your master's in that, and then you became an anesthesiologist. Exactly. That's that's one uh, that's one reason why I was very much interested in anesthesia. Yeah. You know, because I was like, you know, pharmacology was really cool, and then physiology was great, anatomy was great, and so I was like, you know, like I think I'm gonna like anesthesia. And so when I went to medical school, um, I kind of knew that going in that I think I'll probably do anesthesia, but then I was open to other things, and I did my rotations and. And really enjoyed being with the anesthesiologists. It was great. Wow. They were quiet. They were kind of in the background doing their own <laughs> thing, which is kind of my personality, you know. I'm not always quiet, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it was cool. So I, I liked it. It was a mixture of procedures yeah. and um, just, you know, pharmacology, giving drugs, um, taking care of patients. I didn't have to round. I didn't really enjoy rounding. Mm-hmm. Um I, my first year of uh, training, of intern year, I did internal medicine. My first, my entire first year at UCSD, and it was very much front loaded. So yeah. um, I just joined the like actual internal medicine class, oh, wow. and so I went with them, and I pretty much did all the front loading, like you know, work. So mm-hmm. it was very much tiring. I remember yeah. that year being, being very tiring. And I remember coming on me feeling like, oh my goodness, I learned a lot, but at the same time, I don't think I can do this for a long time. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and so I was happy that I, I ended up, you know, transitioning to, to anesthesia, which I've always wanted. That's very interesting because, um, you know, a lot of times people see anesthesiologists and surgeons as very opposite. You know, yeah. the stereotypes of surgeons versus anesthesiologists. And people, I think, just kind of assume that we always kind of bad heads. But for the most part, I think we get along very well and work yeah. because that's like that's what really makes makes our team. Yeah. So it's it's just interesting to hear people asking me all these questions about anesthesia and anesthesiologists. Yeah. You know, I think traditionally and like historically there is a clash which I don't really understand. Even in the many countries, you know, I do global health as well. So in anywhere we go, there's always some weird dynamic, some negative dynamic between anesthesia and surgeons, yeah. which I don't understand. <laughs> At the end of the day, we both want the one with the same thing. You know? right. Like you want to, like the surgeon wants to finish surgery on time with the patient alive and just yes. in one piece. The anesthesiologist wants the same thing. We want to finish the case on time with the patient in one piece and doing well and everyone is happy, you know? And yeah. so sometimes I don't understand where that 
headbutting, you know, comes yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever said that I had a bad experience with an anesthesiologist. I'm, a lot yeah. of times, you know, I have to be like, oh, I know you don't have any twitches, but the patient is fighting me, you know? And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. they're probably thinking like, what's wrong with these surgeons? They always want us to relax the patient. The patient is relaxed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm That's always right. like, I know you don't have twitches, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's good. I think it's good to have just understanding of what each, like the other person does, mm -hmm. you know? That's why, like, when we have students rotate on anesthesia, like, sometimes we have surgery residents rotate. I always tell them, look, you just have to know the stuff that's relevant to you. You don't right. have to learn everything I'm doing. It's very boring to you. Yeah. So the things that you should worry about are these things, you know. So this is what we do. This is what matters. This is what we need to know from you guys. When something bad happens, you have to let us know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, yeah. But overall, I think... I have I have a pretty good experience with most surgeons. Obviously, there's always a personality difference yeah. where, you know, some personalities are just a certain way and you have to navigate that. But otherwise, I think we work pretty well. Yeah. So, you know, what we see now is you done with your training, you know, now working in your fancy job. But we don't see the whole, all the work that goes behind all that and the failures <laughs> Because what we see is just the successes. Can you yeah. tell me one of the failures that you'd say in your life that has kind of shaped you and helped you to become the person that you are now? Sure. You know, I, I usually think of, I don't think of my failures as failures. I just think of them as a setback, mm -hmm. you know, because I feel like, you know, even when someone asks me this question, I really have to think about like, okay, what was something that I did or happened that I wish was different is yeah. what I usually think of it. And one thing that comes to my mind is when I finished undergrad, uh, I, 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 so I was initially a physiological science major, and then I last minute decided to change it to a French major, which was my minor. And this was all done because of many different reasons. Like one class was not offered one one course, and I don't want to stay there for five years. And when I did that, because uh, I've been taking a lot of the French classes already that I enjoyed, I suddenly was able to finish in three years, undergrad in three years. And I was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea that wow. this was going to happen. And this was in January and yeah. I was going to graduate in August. And I had my entire plan for med school. Right. So I was like, oh, I'm going to take MCAT. My plan was to take it next year. And so I panicked and I was like, okay, I can't I have to take it this year because I'm not going to be able to just sit around for two years before getting to medical school. So I remember panicking and taking the MCAT pretty much without really studying, you know, and I didn't do well. The first time I did very poorly on the MCAT. And despite that, I applied, I got waitlisted, et cetera, and then I never got in. So that's why I did the, the master's program, you know? And so, I mean, I see that as a, as like a lack of mentorship. I really yeah. wish I had a mentor. Someone can be like, Hey, you know, we should just take two years off and yeah. this and have a plan and someone who can just be like, Hey, this is not the end of the world. You don't have to take the MCAT right now. Or if you do take it, you need to like really prep for it and study, you know? And so it just makes me realize how much we lack mentorship yes. in general, especially, you know, because I'm the first person going to medical school. Like yes. I don't have any family members who are physicians. So it's very different. Like, you know, they're very supportive. Thankfully, you know, my family is extremely supportive, but at the same time, 
it's really hard for people to explain the anxiety that comes yes. with like the whole MCAT. That's why like now when I have mentees and they panic, like, oh my gosh, I can't take it now. I have to, I understand because I've been there, you right. know, I totally understand. You feel like the world is just going to fall apart. Yeah. And it's like, because you, you don't know. And a lot of times you don't have anybody that's going to be before you that can, yeah. you know, talk you off the, the ledge there. So it's, exactly. like, it's very frustrating. Yeah. And very Absolutely. Scary. Exactly. And I think that's like one of the biggest things we lack, I think, in our community yeah. in general. Not just like, like obviously like underrepresented medicine, but immigrant communities too, you know, we, we have another like, um, like another like setback in a way because yeah. we're immigrants, you know, because you just don't understand the system sometimes. You don't understand the educational system. You don't have the resources. And so it can become very hard. Well, so um, the book that I wrote, I wrote it because it's a book that I wanted to have when I was, you know, up and coming. And so to me, it sounds like this mentorship program that you started is something that yeah. you wished you had had. Can you tell us a little more about it? Sure, sure. So I started a mentorship program last year in November of 2019. It was, I've been wanting to do it for a long time. Um, I had the idea in residency, but then it's so busy in residency that I didn't feel like I had the time or the energy to do it. And so as soon as I finished residency, I had a few months and then I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna do it and start it. So I started in November, 2019. I was in Rwanda actually for a conference oh, wow. and I was in my hotel when I started it in my hotel typing on my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's just kind of how, cause I have had the idea sit in my mind for a long time that I'm like, you know, there's no better time than now. I'm just going to do it. Wow. You know? And so that's how we started. And I reached out to a few of my men, like a few of the mentors who are some of my close friends who are also physicians who are underrepresented in medicine who also have been wanting to mentor and like kind of, you know, like have a second, like a, a next generation that's going to be, uh, you know, following our path. And so I reached out to them and they were very happy to mentor. And then I, this was done through social media on Instagram. I announced it, a bunch of people replied. I made an application process for the mentees to figure out who's going to be a good match for the mentorship, who's not going to be a good match. You know, some people haven't taken their prereqs. So right. it's like, you know, you just need to take your prereqs and then get back to us. Some people are not even sure if you want, they want to go into medicine and have been taking their prerequisites. So um, so after doing all that stuff, we uh, I matched them. So mentors and mentees were matched. And then it's all done virtually. This is pre-COVID. And I just kind of realized that, hey, no one has time nowadays. Like right. the mentees don't have time. The mentors don't have time. Let's just do an online um, platform, a virtual mentorship where, you know, just like how me and you are speaking, you can mentor someone for about an hour to two hours a month. That That's just awesome. the commitment. It's really one hour, but, it's, you know, it's up to two hours a month. Yeah. And you go on like key things like um, like application review, um, just giving general advice. Mm -hmm going over like MCAT um, test taking tips and strategies and like, you know, how people have been studying for it and what resources are available, wow. personal statement review, um, like letter of recommendations, mock interviews, all these things, you know? That so you, awesome. Yeah. So there's like a plan that I've kind of, I've put together, yeah. like uh, I call it a, a plan of action for the mentors and mentees. There are core that they should be reviewing each time they meet, and then after that, it's very fluid. You know, whatever need they need, they have, they 
you know, if it's networking or connecting them with someone for research, that's like very fluid. Wow. So that started and it went pretty well. It ended in July and now I'm just now today starting the second cycle. So, yeah, because I remember by the time I signed up, it was full. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember. And guess what? I have you on my list. You're next. Because <laughs> I was like, wow, am I that late? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're next. So I have you on this cycle. If you're still interested. Yes, I am very, very much interested. <laughs> okay. I'm very excited. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we need more black female transplant surgeons. So I'll be like, you want to do surgery? Okay, come on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So I'm excited for it. You know, this is their, you know, all of them are pre-medical students. So they're still very much early in their applicate, like in their medical career stage. But I really do truly believe that once they make it to medical school, yes. even though there's a lot of hardship in medical school and in residency, at least their leg is in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at least they have other supports to get them through that. But really getting them to medical school is, a, I think, it's a big struggle. Yes. And you know? I totally like, I just love this whole concept because, you know, like you, I, I came here when I was 14 and yeah. it's like there was nobody in my family or anybody that I knew that, that had gone to medical school. I had this dream from when I was a child. And so yeah. being a young mom, I ended up going to community college to do my nursing degree and I knew absolutely nothing. So I was my own advisor through the whole process i mean i'm i look back and i just see god's hand because yeah. i don't even know how i figured any of this stuff out so yeah. to have somebody who's walked the road who can tell you like it's gonna be okay let's figure things out and walk you through the process and just for yeah. you to have a, a, a visualization of somebody a representation <laughs> of what you want to be and mm -hmm. to be able to be in communication with that person, I think it's just amazing. Yeah, and you know, another thing is that I also really was looking for is um, like people who looked like me, yeah. mentoring me. It's yeah. extremely hard to find that. Oh yes. And I just felt like I was struggling. I had mentors um, after, I would say my, men I had started having mentors in grad school because mm -hmm. I had a research advisor and then in medical school and moving on, I had mentors here and there, and none of them looked like me. None of them understand the struggles I had to go through. You know, when yeah. I say like, "Hey, I can't apply to fifty residencies because I just don't have the money," they they just don't understand that. You know, right. it's like, "Well, you should you should apply to this number." I'm like, "Well, it's you don't understand. Like, you need a financial aid or something." Right. You know I mean? right. And so, it's just there's a lot of of things that that's not understood if your mentor doesn't understand your circumstances. So that's why with this mentorship. Um, you're, the students are matched with the mentors who look like them. And usually we try to match them with very specifically on their needs, you know? Yeah. And so uh, with the seven mentees, they're all seven females and seven uh, females as, as well and all underrepresented, you know? Wow. And so it was great. They really liked it. I had really good feedback. Obviously, there's still a lot of stuff that I have to work on, um, but... Overall, I think it's a great because they just feel like they can do it as well. You know, yeah. so when they see someone who looks like it, they're like, hey, like she can do it. She looks like me. I, can I have a better too. chance. I can. Yeah, I can do it, too. You yeah. know? Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit more about your global health experience? Because I know you're you are very much into global health. And that was actually your postgrad fellowship, too, in global health. So yeah. tell us a little yeah, bit so, about your experiences, how it was practicing back home. Because I've, yeah. I've, you know, I've never really been 
back home to practice practice so it's like when i hear these stories i'm like oh my gosh yeah no i mean we're definitely gonna get you into global health too <laughs> i'm taking you on my trips once covid clears up <laughs> um so yeah i got really you know i've always wanted to give back of some way to where i came from because you know growing up you see such a disparity you yes. know um you see a disparity in healthcare and schools and housing but mostly in healthcare you know where you know you go to the hospital and you're being treated and the, you know the physician or the resident comes and tells you hey you have to go buy lidocaine for your block or you have to go buy something so you're going out into the street looking for lidocaine and syringe and coming back with it so you can get a block and then you might need to buy like the gauze and everything and it still happens to this day oh you know that's how it is you know and so you always think like you know how can i help how can i make a difference um in my own way so that's always been in my mind and then you know i started medical school and my last year of medical school i applied for like a global health scholarship mm -hmm. that i got to go to tanzania okay. and work in, in in anesthesia with the anesthesiologist there so that was a great experience that's how my that all kind of opened up my eyes you know i'm from ethiopia mm -hmm. but at the end of the day you know healthcare oh, disparities are everywhere so yeah. it doesn't really matter where you go Obviously, if you, if you speak the language, it helps yeah. to communicate. So I value that. That's why most of the time I try to go to Ethiopia because I speak the language. Yeah. Um, in Tanzania, most people speak um, English in the in in the medical area, I would say, but it's mostly Swahili, and so it's much easier for them to speak in Swahili. So some days I don't understand what they're saying, you know. Yeah. But still, even with that experience, it was very eye-opening you know is it you feel like you can make a change you know you teach someone something you give them a small lecture and people are absorbing and learning and you feel like you make a difference and you are making a difference you know and so that's my how initially i got involved in that after that in residency i went back to ethiopia to work with cure international hospital mm -hmm. it's a non-profit uh, hospital with, um, that basically uh, operates on burn victims okay. and uh, orthopedic uh, like malformations, like mm -hmm. birth defects in general, um, or fractures like traumas, mm -hmm. and it's all, you know, free for for patients. And these are all kids; they take care of kids. It's a pediatric, oh, and wow. so it was a great experience. It's run by currently it's run by an American orthopedic surgeon. I think the medical director, and then below him are a bunch of local physicians. Um, there's a plastic surgeon, there's an orthopedic surgeon, there's one other orthopedic surgeon from Europe, I think, that also runs it. And the stuff is like, you know, Ethiopian stuff. And it's great. I wow. had a great experience, you know, just taking care of patients, doing vlogs, intubating, you know, just doing the normal stuff that we yeah. do here, you know. And so that was very eye-opening. And then after that, I was like, you know, I really want to do global health. I want this to be part of my career moving on. How can I do this? And I heard about the Global Health and Equity Fellowship at UCSF. And um, I heard about it very last minute, like, you know, application is already open, almost closed. Actually, it was closed, I think. They were interviewing. Yeah. I still emailed the program director, the wow. fellowship director, and I was like, hey, I really wanted to do this. I just heard about this. I've never heard this of this before, yeah. which is like a global health in anesthesia, you know, training. That is pretty amazing. And, yeah, and so he replied, I interviewed like a week later via Zoom and, and like I got it. It was great. That and is so awesome. it was, it's been, I've been, I just finished it and it's been an awesome one year. I felt like 
I mean, I went back to Tanzania to teach uh, physicians, you know, and like nurse anesthetists, uh, like safe anesthesia practice. Yeah. We did a small research there as well. I was in Rwanda for a, a, a conference, which you have to go. Um, it's called, um, what is it? Women's Leader in Global Health uh, and Equity. It's a huge conference that happens every year. And every year it's in a different location. I think this year... I mean, next, I guess this year was supposed to be in India, and I think this is canceled because of COVID, mm -hmm. but very eye-opening. There's oh, wow. basically a bunch of women in global health of any kind. So it can be global health, um, like medical, or it can be like the device or oh, wow. like, like uh, you know, systems or tech. It be, it's very diverse, and it's people from like India, different countries of Africa, from here, you know, it's awesome. That it was started amazing. three years ago by... Um, one of the physicians at Stanford. Oh wow! So this is, I think, their fourth fourth conference. It was very eye-opening. Paul Farmer was there. Oh you know, Paul wow! Farmer? Yeah, he was one of the speakers. Okay. Um, there's like a lot of like you know people who are present. It was very it's very empowering. I was there and I was like, I feel so happy. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I describe it as, as seeing a bunch of Michelle Obama in one room <laughs> and just hanging out with them. <laughs> that is so awesome. Wow. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would definitely, I would definitely plan to go. Next yeah. one, I'm with you. Yeah. And so, that, you know, it was a very eye-opening experience. And then with the fellowship, it was not only international health. You know, when we say global health, mm -hmm. a lot of people think, oh, you have to travel somewhere else right. uh, and to provide care. But really global health and equity means local and international. So any local disparities we also try to tackle. So um, um, like in March, we were doing a lot of COVID, like OR setup and things like that. After that, we started the health equity curriculum for like anesthesia and surgery residents. So, you know, that was a great experience as well. So, wow. you know, it, it kept me busy for sure. I, I'm in awe. That is just amazing. That is so yeah. awesome. Thank so, you. Can you tell me a little bit about your faith? I know you touched on it just a little bit. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about your faith? How has that kind of shaped the woman that you are today? Sure. You know, I am a Christian. I was born and raised in a Christian home and family. And, and I feel like, you know, I've, I've, I've gone to church and I go to church on a regular basis. And that's how kind of like how I grew up. But I didn't really get really close to, to what I believe in and my purpose until maybe like a year and a half ago, you oh, know. Wow. It's really surprising because you would think, you know, like when you're going through a hardship and yeah. you're struggling, that's when your faith is strong and you're just closer to God. I felt like when I finished all my training and all everything is done, I was like, okay, so what now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just, I started thinking about my purpose and just like, why am I on this earth, you know? And a lot of it that came to my mind is, you know, it's just like what Jesus did for when he was on earth, you know? He was with people and inspiring people and healing and just being a positive energy in a way, you know. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of like how I want to lead my life, you know, even for people who are not spiritual and you don't believe in Jesus or Christianity. I think it just there's a lot that comes from just being a positive source of energy and empowerment and inspiring others, you know. And so um, my faith keeps me very grounded. You know, I wake up and I read a like a Bible verse every day and, and you know people kill you, know, you can call it mindfulness you know people who are into mindfulness it's doing something that calms you and gives you peace and quiet 
you know, so you can think of it as as that as well, just, you know, meditating on the word and praying. And um, there's a few like uh, Bible study fellowships that I um, part of during the week that I just kind of, you know, um, participate in. So oh, uh, awesome. my faith has, I think, brought me through a lot. <laughs> and it's something, especially now with COVID and everything that's going on, I think yeah. people are like, like hungry for something. And I, I feel like you're hungry for Jesus. <laughs> yes. yes. You know? Because I think that's the only way you just like you find peace and you yes. find comfort and you just feel like no matter comes your way, you can handle it. Yes. You know, absolutely. Because we find yeah. so many other ways to fill that void. But the only one who can fill that void is Jesus. Exactly. Amen. For us Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wow. completely agree with you. And I feel like in the last year and a half since I've been uh, a lot more aware of this and uh, more, um, how do you say it, intentional about yeah. spending more time uh, uh, with God and praying. I've seen such a huge change in my life. You know, I used to be, um, I think I, I feel like I'm still like that. I used to be very much restless. Mm-hmm. You know, I am the same. I still am like that. Some days I'm like, I can't sit still. I want to do a million things. But I used to be like that times like a million to the point where it was like, oh my gosh, I need to like actually rest and sit down and just calm down and I honestly feel like in the last year and a half I found something that just kind of anchors me you know that just gives me peace and like centers me you know wow and so yeah that is powerful (laughs) wow tell me a little bit about your exercise routine because I see you stay in shape what do you do what do you eat how much water are you drinking over there <laughs> girl it's a constant battle I, we always talk about this in my family we're like my sister is very thin uh, i'm gonna bring her up because she has two kids and she's in such good shape and i don't know how i think it's, she just has really good portion control you know i feel like actually in the last year or so i probably gained about 10 pounds or so and before that I used to be very regimented yeah. um, when I like, you know, obviously the gyms were also open, you know, like I would go at the gym and I was very like hard on myself in a way. Mm-hmm. After I joined the fellowship, I was like, you know what? I don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need this. I'm just going to relax, kind of eat what I want and, yeah. and do me, you know, in a way. And it did, <laughs> did not work out. <laughs> oh, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I definitely gained a few pounds, you know, I had a few family members, you know, African families are always like, oh, you're getting some pounds, like, what happened? (laughs) But to them, a lot of times, it's it's good, because they're like, oh, you're fattening up, this is good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they're like, you know, what's going on? And then, you know, so now, as my fellowship, I think I was really busy to even do anything, as that kind of ending, I, my my main thing is like, eat healthy. I don't, Mm -hmm. I try to eat, not to eat like junk food in general like yeah. you know what i mean like i re- i don't drink soda whatsoever the only time i drink soda is like i don't know like when there's like a necessity or something you know yeah. i just don't do it you know and i'm not used to it so i've programmed myself not to crave it you know yeah. my problem is sweets and desserts <laughs> oh my goodness you can't i'm just like it's almost like a problem so <laughs> it is a problem it's not almost a problem and so okay, i, I try to like of chocolate and ice cream exactly and so i go to the store and i just look over to the ice cream and i'm like you know it's just one one little <laughs> and it stays with me all week and then i you know eat it all week so now what i've done is try to be more 
are um, less impulsive and like not get those things in my home. So usually yeah. I don't buy bread. For me, bread is one of the things that just it's not healthy for me. I know it's not good for my body. So bread does not enter my home. I love bread. <laughs> if it enters, <laughs> then it's a problem, you know. Um, like I try to limit the amount of ice cream I have. I try yeah. to limit like things that like sweet stuff that I have in my home because I know I'm like a nibbler, you know, I'm just going to go into the fridge and I start nibbling stuff, you know. Do you normally um, cook then? I cook a lot. Yeah. Okay. I cook. Yeah. I, I cook a fair amount. I would say I cook maybe like 70 to 80% of the time. Oh, I, wow. I don't eat out a lot at all. Yeah. I try not to. I love cooking. I really enjoy it. So awesome. when we, yeah. So when I have time, I cook my own food. Uh, I love pasta. I love pasta. And so <laughs> I try to limit that. But most days I end up making some kind of carbs. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I work out. I try to work out at least like, I would say two to three days a week mm-hmm. of some sort. Like it can be a hike. It can be just a simple walk. Right. It can be a run. Just something, something to keep you active. Yeah. Because yeah. at yeah. the end of the day, like you just have to burn the calories somehow. Right. right? And so either you limit the amount you're eating, so you do, you go on a diet or you do the intermittent, intermittent um, what is it, starvation diet uh, or fasting diet, you can do that, which I think is hard for a lot of people, but you either limit the amount of calories that goes in or you just burn them. So at the end of the day, it's one of the other, you know, or if you can limit your amount of calories and burn them, then yeah. it's perfect, you know? But so I try to like limit how much my intake is and like, you know have like smaller portions and yeah. then yeah after most days just yeah move well move. let's talk a little bit about finding love i've been seeing <laughs> this chocolatey chocolatey dark man on your instagram feed <laughs> yeah so how was dating in medical school and then residency and how did you meet this dark chocolate man of yours Soon. Long story, girl. I'm like, we need some wine, some unwinding. <laughs> well, uh, actually, in medical school, I was in a serious relationship with a, a different man that did not go well. It was a terrible, toxic relationship, which can be a whole other discussion. I don't oh, think yes. I'm ready to talk about that yet, but at some point, I think I'm going to open up about it and discuss it. But it was terrible. I felt like I lost myself. I almost dropped out of medical school because I didn't oh, think wow. I was going to finish medical school. It was just terrible. It was yeah. very toxic. And then that was like almost 10 years ago. And I haven't dated anyone for almost 10 years, no believe way. it or not. I went on like one or two dates here and there. But, but nothing serious. I've never had a long-term relationship since that wow. relationship. Yeah. You know, I, I think, think a lot of people will actually, this will resonate with a lot of people because yeah. it's like, once you've been in a relationship like that, it's very hard to bring yourself to a place where you are open to love again. Yeah, I agree. And I think for me, I was not open to love, one. And the second, I was just like, I don't need this. I'm like, I don't need this in my life. I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine just the way. And I, it was true. I was very content. Quite honestly, I did not want anyone impeding my life or turning, coming to my life and rearranging it. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea of dating someone would stress me out. My friend would be like, oh my you're like, you know, you need to date. You're too comfortable by your own. I said, yes, I am comfortable. I'm happy the way I am, you know? And it's true. I was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then about after I finished residency, I was like, oh my gosh, I have all this time. Yeah. And I started thinking like, you know, I should really think about someone in my life, <laughs> you know? And I think at that point, I think also that like, was praying my heart opened up. I, I, I believe it's something, 
uh, like supernatural. I think it's God opening up my heart. Because sometimes it's, it's just you're so closed off that yes. you can't open up your heart. So I felt like my heart opened up last year. And so when I went to Rwanda, I'm telling you, Rwanda, that conference Rwanda, changed everything. My goodness, what is going on with this conference? Kigali, <laughs> like, Rwanda, everyone go there now. <laughs> All the single ladies go to Rwanda. <laughs> so I went to that conference and I met, uh, there's a lot of people, you know, from everywhere in Africa. And one of the people I met there is a physician who's Ethiopian, mm-hmm. who um, is in movie and film production. Oh. And so she she did her like schooling and medical training and residency here in the States. She actually went to Harvard. Very, very impressive woman. Mm-hmm. And then while she was in residency, she did a documentary on um, the impact of AIDS on uh, Black people oh. that got picked up by, I think it was Lifetime, one of the TV series, and oh, wow. it started getting aired, and her career in film and production started that way. Wow. Anyway, she was at the conference. I thought she was amazing. So, uh, you know, of course, I introduced myself and then we connected right away. Yeah. We connected right away. Uh, we went to dinner and then through a conversation, she was like, and she's, you know, Ethiopian as well. And yeah. she's like, you know, she's like, are you single? Are you looking for someone? I was like, you know what? I am open to someone. I usually never say that to yeah. I never say that to someone I just met. And I said, yeah, I'm open. And then she said, you know, and I was like, do you know anyone? And she's like, you know, I you know, I have a few like people in my mind. Who what are you looking for? Yeah. And I just told her, you know, I want someone who has the same um spiritual like standing as me, like yeah. who believes in the same thing, you know, spiritually and religion wise. So I said that to her and then otherwise I'm like I'm very open. He doesn't have to be in medicine, he can be in anything as long as he has his own thing yeah. that he's doing, he's accomplished and he's ambitious. Yeah. And he, obviously that has good family values. And she was like Oh, I, I think I have someone in mind. Oh my so she, gosh. she goes on her Facebook and brings up my current almost fiance. <laughs> it's my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get engaged soon. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. You're like, yeah, we're going to get engaged soon. Yeah. <laughs> so she brings it up on Facebook and she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, he looks great. I mean, tell me more about him. You oh, know, wow. so she tells me like, his family and her family has been a very long like family friends for a long time in Ethiopia. Yeah. He lives in Ethiopia uh, back then, uh, but he's like, uh, you know, did all his schooling in the U.S., mm-hmm. has lived in Portland and like D.C. for a long time and did his own, uh, he had his own business at some point. He was in advertising and movie and production and things like that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he's a great guy. You should meet him. And I'm like, you know, I'm not. Like I'm in I'm in Rwanda and then yeah. I, afterwards my goal was to go to Uganda and go back to the US. So I'm like he's in Ethiopia. Oh wait, he wasn't Rwanda. even in Rwanda at the time. He wasn't. Oh wow. He was in Ethiopia. Wow. So she's she's trying to you know get us together somehow. Yeah. And and uh, and then I'm like, how are we supposed to like get together? Like, I'm and not she's going like, home. Oh. I'm just gonna go to Uganda and go and to the states. Exactly. And so, <laughs> long oh, story wow. short. She's like, he's going to come to California. Don't worry. You guys will meet up because he has family there and like travels often to the U.S. Yeah. And then that was our interaction. Long story short, I ended up going to Ethiopia. That same trip. Yeah. Last minute. It's change of plans. I ended up being in Ethiopia. And of course, I like, so ran into, hey, guess what? I am in Ethiopia. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to connect you with, with him. His name is Bamnet. was Bam. And she connected us on WhatsApp. And then we had... Um, breakfast the next day and then we connected right away like oh just gosh. right away it was like an instant connection that i really liked amazing. him he really liked me and then we hung out i was only there for a week oh, we wow. hung out 
almost every day, uh, maybe twice a day, you know, every day. And he, you know, I got to meet some of his friends. My in-law, my brother-in-law was actually there. He met him. Everyone liked it. It was great. And then after a week, yeah. we're like, well, I have to go back. You know? Yeah, now what? <laughs> so I came back and we still were like, you know, we like each other enough that we should keep in touch and we figure something right. out. And I, I, back then I was thinking of moving to Ethiopia for yeah. global health work. But then, you know, everything kind of went crazy. Um, so anyhow, I came back and then he decided to come visit me in December. He came and visited me, met some of my family. He didn't meet my mom yet back then because I was like, you know what? Let's just make sure yes, my family it's actually, real, real. you know, <laughs> is cool with this, you know. And so he, he met with the rest of my family. And uh, in March, he was supposed to come and do some job interviews mm-hmm. for to move back to, to the U.S. Because he was kind of ready to move back. He's been in Ethiopia for about two years. And he was kind of tired of just being there. And so he's like, this was perfect. So in March, he came to do some job interviews. And then COVID happened. He got stuck here oh on quarantine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he got stuck here on quarantine. I he got not a job. about that. <laughs> you know, he, he landed a job, a really good job at a tech company here in San Francisco. And so now, you know, he has his own place. He's, you know kind of wow. you know, living here and you know we're, we're dating we're still here and it's crazy isn't it crazy see how it's like you can totally see the hand of god in everything just how yeah. everything worked out isn't yeah. that amazing yeah i mean honestly it's god's work and his side of the story he has his own testimony in terms of like a week before we met he was also very much tired of dating and oh, he's wow. being presented with a lot of women and he just wasn't interested and he was just fed up you know, and tired. And he was a week before that he was praying to God for like a, a woman in his life. And then I wow. kind of show up. It's very, it's very much, we believe where we met because of God, you know, yes. and I'm very picky too in general, like yeah. very picky, not just picky, but just very like, I like, I just like my own comfort and yeah. I don't like people kind of impeding my own life. So <laughs> to me, like the fact that I agreed to a intercontinental relationship yeah. It blows my mind, you know. <laughs> because it was meant to be. <laughs> it, it was really meant to be, honestly. I don't usually believe in these things, but now I'm like, you know, God has works in mysterious ways. Yes. And you just you just don't know. Wow. You just don't know. You just have to have faith and pray and then it will happen. I never thought last year this time that I would be with someone that I really love and care and who is the same about me and like living in the same city and him yeah. moving from me. Like, it's just, I never thought this would happen last year. You wow. Know? That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a beautiful testimony. You know, it's like just, yeah. you, you are going to give so many people so much hope, you yeah. know, because yeah. it's like a lot of times women look at situations, especially after having been heartbroken and having had, complicated difficult relationships and just a lot of times it's so easy to just give up and just to say you know what i've got my own thing going life is pretty good as it is i don't need anybody but it's so nice to have somebody and especially when you to just have that beautiful healthy relationship with somebody who's on the same wavelength as you that's like priceless so i am so happy yeah i mean you know the first the, the really bad relationship I had it was my very first boyfriend ever in my life. And so I was like shocked in a yeah. way. I was like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. So I think that really closed me off mm-hmm. and emotionally. And it can be very scarring, you know, it's very oh, scarring. Sure. It's traumatizing. You don't want to deal with that again. 
and you just wait. And I know people who are like that, even if their experience might not be as traumatic as yeah. mine, you know, there's still experiences that they have like trauma from. Right. And so for them, you know, it can be very hard to just kind of date and like put yourself out there, you know. And so I'm very wow. grateful and I can't wait for what's next. <laughs> Oh my goodness, wedding. You better be telling me about it so I can be getting some time off to come to Ethiopia for the wedding. <laughs> Seriously, I'm telling everyone. I mean, with COVID now, a lot of our plans have like changed. It's kind of sad, but I'm sure we'll work out because we're planning, out. we're both planning to do something in Ethiopia and like invite a lot of our friends yeah. and make it be like a nice experience for everyone, yeah. you know? Oh, and, I'm like, all for it. All right, I know. Even with COVID, I mean, if this is not going away in like a year, that's it. <laughs> no, and that's the thing because, like, um, I'm going on a mission trip in April oh, that okay. I was supposed to go to in November, but then now we're gonna go in April. And it's like, I mean, it COVID is here to stay in some way, shape, or form. So we just have yeah. to adjust and figure out how how to live in it you know yeah, yeah. So. no I agree I had the same conversation actually with my boyfriend because you know I posted a picture the other day it was like people around me is like oh you know you should be careful posting stuff with like people around you and I'm like I understand but I think now people want physicians to tell them how to live with COVID yeah not like you know you can't hide anymore you can't yes. stay in your home and hide anymore you're yeah. not I mean quarantine is quarantine obviously if you have symptoms stay home but right it, you have to kind of resume life and people want to know how to safely resume life. Yeah, like, and that's the safely? biggest thing, to safely yeah, like, resume life. Yeah, and like how do I travel safely? How do yeah. I do like all the things I've planned safely? Like even for me, I'm like, we do have a wedding, you know, soon. Like how do we do this safely? Is there something manual out there? <laughs> oh, it can be yeah. done safely in Ethiopia and I will be there to celebrate. <laughs> you, I will be more than happy and I will be excited for you to be there. Please come. <laughs> awesome well i know you are a very busy lady so i'm going to just ask you a few more questions before yeah. i let you go so this mm -hmm. is a question that i like asking all the guests here and it's a question i asked everybody i think just about everybody in, who participated in the book if there are three people dead or alive that you would want to have dinner with and learn from who would it be and why Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, for sure, my father who passed away, I would love to have dinner with him and yeah. like kind of catch up and be like, guess what? Yeah, look where I am now, now, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah, he definitely makes uh, the top of my list. Second person, who else? I'm like trying to think. I don't want to give a cliche answer, but then I think it's going to end up being cliche anyways. Um, there's a lady, mm -hmm. this is crazy, but I, I used to have a teacher in, in, uh, high school, in elementary school, mm -hmm. it, you know, in French system, it's called Lise, or Lise, you know, mm -hmm. and she was so supportive of me. Her name is, uh, we call Mrs. Madame in French, right? Yeah. And so her name is Madame Coilot. And oh. so uh, she was so supportive. I remember I was probably like maybe 10 or something. Yeah. She used to like. And I did well 
you know, I did well in like my classes. Yeah. I would give her that, but she was just like extra helpful. Oh, I remember wow. her saying like after class, being like, "Oh, do you want to take these books and read these books?" She gave me her roller skaters, oh, like her gosh. own, because she was like, "I don't need them, and we're the same size." So I ended oh. up I had the roller skaters at, like at home, um, and everyone was like, "Why do you have this at home?" <laughs> And I'm like, it's a gift. I know we can't really use it, but it's here now. <laughs> so I oh, would wow. love to see her and meet her. I haven't heard from her since I left. Yeah. So I always wonder, I'm like, oh man, I really wish I can just like still have her information, yeah. contact info. So she's her. another person. That would be and awesome. And then another one, uh, let me see. Another one. I think RBG would be... Yeah. Someone I would love to have dinner with just because she's so inspiring, you yeah. know, and as a woman, you know, she she's been through so many obstacles that mm-hmm. it would be very insightful to sit with her and be like, hey, like, what did you do? How did you do it? What yes. were your struggles? And How have that you conversation. All this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh, all right. So one last question. Okay. <laughs> <Drum> <laughs> <laughs> so if you could tell um a younger you at well not that young like at 22 years old if you could just look back with what you know now what would you tell that 22 year old betty uh let's see there's so much i want to tell <laughs> there's so much to tell i don't know where to start one would be for sure believe in yourself you're gonna get there everyone's path is different everyone's journey is different I think it's the main thing I'll tell like my younger self you know because sometimes it's so easy to compare your life to other people and say hey like so and so is going to medical school straight from college like or so and so is doing this like why am I not doing that everyone has their own personal story everyone's path is different and journey is different you know and the sooner you realize that, the sooner you're happy with life. You just yes. you stop comparing yourself with people, you know? <laughs> so Absolutely. I'm like, I learned that a little too late. But, you know, now that I've learned, I'm like, you know, everyone has their own path, you know? Yeah. Like, you just can't compare yourself to other people. So I think that's the biggest thing I would tell my my old self. You know, privilege. Like, people have privileges that we don't understand. Yep. And we can't see sometimes their invisible yep. privileges, you know, that, that they grew up with, that their parents have given them that the siblings have given them. So it's hard to say, hey, how come I don't have that? Because you don't, you haven't had all those privileges. Right. So it's really hard for you to get that. And just realizing that and moving on, you know? And so I would say even to the listeners is do not compare your life to others. Yes. Like you just don't know, first of all, what someone's journey is like, and you don't know what's on the other side of the of the door. Like, you, you know, everything might, might look nice and shiny, mm-hmm. but then it might not. And with that, I actually have a story that I oh, want to tell before we close. <laughs> <laughs> so a few days ago, I have plants. I grow little plants in pots. I don't yeah. know if you saw my Instagram, but I was freaking out. Um, <laughs> I have I have like basil and mints. And my basil has been eaten. Like I see some leaves were missing. Yeah. And one of my friends came and we're just looking at them. She's like, I think you have uh, worms. And I'm like, I have worms on my basil. And then we couldn't find it. You know, yeah. it was like, we looked and I was like, I don't have worms. And so I like, moved on the next day I'm like you know what I think I have something that's eating my basil yeah. so I go under and I find this huge green worm oh that gosh. I was like oh my gosh this has been hiding under my basil this entire time and eating it you know oh and I had no gosh. idea 
And so I look at my mint and I'm like, oh my gosh, my mint is also missing all these leaves. Maybe I have worms. My mint was full of worms. Oh my From the God. outside, let me tell you, it looks, I mean, Perfect. I can show you, I can't really show you now, but it looks really <laughs> great. Like it looks like it's flourishing. You would never think it's diseased or. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Worms. You know? And so I like, that was such a wake that up call in a way. Because I'm like, lesson it's a huge lesson you just don't know you think yeah. everything looks great from the outside yeah. and i had so many comments people were like oh you have such nice plants oh. you have men <laughs> and this and that and then now i'm looking and i'm like did you know i had worms oh. nope i didn't even know <laughs> wow you know and oh, so wow. i took it as a life lesson i'm like you know you just don't know what's going on in people's yes. lives yes. it might look just beautiful from the outside yeah. and in my, there might be so many issues on that inside and you sitting up there comparing yourself to other yes. people wow. and wishing that you had that and wishing you had this, you know, and you just don't know. You don't that know everyone's struggle. So problem. it was a great lesson. Wow. Oh, what a way to finish our podcast. I love it. <laughs> so where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram. I, that's the only main platform I use, like on social media. Okay. Um, you can follow me on doctor.beti. So Dr. Beatty on Instagram, if you're interested in mentorship and being a mentor or being a mentee for pre-medical students, then you can go uh, on Instagram again at Mulu Mentor. So it's M-U-L-U Mentor, M-E-N-T-O-R. And you can find me that way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to just spend time with me and chat with me. I really, really enjoyed our chat. This was so good. So, so, so inspirational. Oh, of course. Uh, it's my pleasure. I had a great time talking to you. I can do this anytime. Call me back. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Be careful yeah. what you say, because, you know, I will be calling you back for a panel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. enjoyed listening and were inspired by Dr. Betty as much as I was. I'd like to leave you with three promises to meditate on as you go through this week. Isaiah 28 verse 16. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Isaiah 12 verse 2, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Psalm 37 verse 3 to 5, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. Have a wonderful week. Ciao.